So welcome to Confessions of a Serial Seller. This gentleman is someone I've studied and learned from for the past probably 10 years. He's an absolute guru and authority in the space of human behavior. He's a doctor. He has studied over 30,000 books. He's personally written over 40 paperbacks, but over 300 actual manuscripts. And, and he's spoken at conferences for entrepreneurs all over the world. Dr. John Martini, it's an absolute honor to have you on my show. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you uh, for the interview. Appreciate it. No, thank you. So just to start with, I know your, your expertise is on human behavior. Tell us, how did that, how did that journey start from you and, and lead you to where you are now? Well, I was 17 years old. I was living in the North Shore of Oahu, and I was a surfer. And I had, had left school when I was 13, 14 and was basically a street kid. And all I wanted to do is go ride big waves. I nearly died at 17. Really? A number of situations there. And uh, in the recovery of that, I was led to a little recreation hall where a special guest speaker was speaking. And one night, one man named Paul Bragg spoke and inspired me to overcome my learning problems. I had learning challenges. Mm. I had speech problems when I was a child. I was a speech pathologist from age one and a half to four. I couldn't read, and I ended up dropping out of school because I couldn't, I couldn't read very well. I didn't really read my first book till I was 18. Wow. And uh, So the night I met him, he inspired me so much that it made me think that maybe I could overcome my learning problems and someday become intelligent because I never thought I was going to be intelligent. Mm. And... That night, there was a shift. You know how you meet somebody and it just, yeah. it just, he just got to me. And that made me have a different determination and a shift in my, my focus and values. And I started to go on a journey to try to overcome my learning problems and learn how to read. And it wasn't easy because I, uh, I had to go back and take a GED, which is high school equivalency, because I dropped out. And, um, I failed when I first started, and I, with the help of my mom, I started to read a dictionary and memorize 30 words a day. Wow. My mom would test me on 30 words a day and on how to pronounce the words, spell the words, use them in, with meaning and things. And gradually, doing that every day for many months, for years in fact, my vocabulary grew enough to where I could finally pass school. And then once I did, I never wanted to stop. It was one of the most inspiring things in my life to learn that I could read. And I never stopped. And now I'm, I read every day. I mean, that's incredible. And I know you've read over 30,000 books, which is just incredible. I've never heard anything quite like it, especially from someone who couldn't read. Uh, what's an achievement? Well, it, it, I love reading every day. Now it's more online. Yeah. I still read books. I was reading a book this morning. And, but, uh, but at the same time, I, I read a lot online. Most of it's online research today, but, uh, there's nothing that I love doing more than putting the, the giant puzzle of life together for my research. And when I see pieces that fit in perfectly and inspires me, and then I want to share it. And I had a dream to travel the world and to teach. I've spoken now in 154 countries. Wow. And, and I, uh, 
and I full-time travel except for Corona lately. Yeah. I, and I, uh, this is what I love doing and I love learning and teaching. So I try to impart and share whatever I find that can be of value to people and help people master their life and empower all areas of their life and help them have more expanded awareness and potential. And I believe that deep inside there's a, there's a genius in all of us. Absolutely. When I, when I, I just got a letter in this morning from a lovely lady that was uh, nearly dead five years ago. And now she has her PhD. She's excelling. She's doing amazing things, but she was nearly dead too. Wow. And it's so inspiring to be able to make a difference in people's lives. I think there's nothing more fulfilling than oh, sharing and imparting ideas, as you know, because you're doing it. Absolutely. And, and uh, so, yeah, I've been doing that now 47. This is going on 48 years. November That's will begin 48. Out of curiosity, what book were you reading this morning? Uh, there's a book that was uh, by Walter that was called uh, Sickle. I don't know if you've ever read it. No. It's a classic. Um, it's a masterpiece. It was written in 1918. And it's a, somewhat a physical, philosophical, metaphysical book on man living by reason or by trivia yeah. and, and, and pursuing something of greatness. And it's a, it's a classic. And so I was uh, devouring that. And for I, some reason, I, I've heard about the book, but I never got around to reading it. So I finally yeah. started today and I'll, I'll work on it today. Love but, it. But there's a, but I'd like to share, there's two books that I would encourage every human being to, to find and read. And they're online now. And that's by Mortimer Adler, Syntopic in Volumes 1 and 2. Okay. S-Y-N-T-O-P-I-C-O-N, Volumes 1 and 2. Now, this is a masterpiece. It's about 1,800 pages between the two books. And it's, uh, but it's a condensation of the greatest minds over the last 2,700 years, wow. summarized and condensed on the most important topics a human being can study. Wow. So you it doesn't get much better than this. So, and, and he's done a masterful job at synthesizing um, and syncretically integrating information over the eras, over the greatest minds. And I, I think if you want a kind of a PhD on life, this two volumes is a great starting point for, for life. Fantastic. And I encourage people to do it. It's not a self-help, yeah. you know, popular, best-selling kind of book. Yeah. Although it's a classic. It came out many years ago. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested in things that stand the test of time more than facts. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I've written that down. I'll definitely check both those books out. Um, what you said that you listened to that speaker and it inspired something in you to go and make a change. What is some of your best advice, Dr. Demartini, that for, for my listeners that are also struggling, either they're struggling to read or to learn or, or to find maybe, maybe they're a bit lost and they're struggling to find their purpose. What's some of the best advice or strategies you can give to maybe help them? Well, every human being, <clears throat> moment by moment, lives by a set of priorities, a set of values that are unique to them, things that are most to least important to them, a hierarchy of values. And whatever this hierarchy of values is, it's unique, and it dictates their perceptions, decisions, and actions. And whatever's highest on their list of values, they spontaneously are inspired from within to fulfill. Mm. 
and whatever's lower on their values, they'll require extrinsic drive and motivation. Reward to do things, punishment if you don't do things in order to get them to do things. Mm. So discovering what's highest on an individual's values that's unique to them and prioritizing their life and filling their day with the highest priority actions that are most deeply meaningful to them and most inspiring to them spontaneously and delegating lower priority actions so they don't self-depreciate. Because mm. when they live by the highest values, they self-appreciate. When they live by lower values, they depreciate. Mm. But by filling your day with high priority actions that inspire your day, doesn't fill up with low priority distractions that don't. And you automatically have your awareness, your decisions, and your actions become more profound. Your space and time horizons expand. You walk your talk. You have more confidence. You wake up and emerge as a spontaneous leader that's a genius inside you. Mm. In your highest values, you pursue challenges that inspire you, which awakens creativity and innovation. And you activate blood glucose and oxygen to the executive center of the brain where self-mastery is initiated, mm. where inspired vision, strategic planning, executing plans, and self-governance are most readily accessible. And you don't get distracted by the amygdala's distractions of impulses and instincts of the animal nature within. Mm. And you become master of destiny, not victim of history. Love so prioritizing your life is one of the most significant things an individual can do. I learned from Mary Kay, cosmetic leader, Mary yeah. Kay Ash. Yeah. I spoke to 4,500 women at her, her place in Anatole, Dallas. And uh, I asked her what advice she could give a guy 35 years ago. And uh, she said every day, write down the six or seven highest priority actions you can get that day. Little actions that day, not goals that take weeks, but just actions that day. Mm. And keep record of those and find the highest priorities of the highest priorities of the highest priorities at 20% of the 20% of the 20%. Mm -hmm. So you can narrow down, as Gary Keller says, to that one thing that you're yes. masterful at. Yes. Mine is researching and teaching. I love learning and teaching. That's it. I, I, I've delegated everything away. Yes. I don't do anything else. I haven't done business administration and scheduling and financing. I only research and teach. Yeah. And, and when you're doing what you love doing, you can't wait to get up in the morning and do it. People can't wait to get it. Yeah. I love that. That's fantastic. But then I narrowed it down to research. I'll show you. I have, I have a 25 volume set that I wrote wow. called my master plan. This is volume one. And it says wow. research, write, travel, teach. That's my mission. So that's a, one of 25 volumes of just a master plan of how I, in, how I structured my life. But I'm a believer that, that if you prioritize your life and stick to the highest priorities and know what your identity revolves around that highest value, that highest priority, and you pursue that and fill that up, you can't wait to get up and do that. And you're inspired to do that. And that exemplifies what's possible. It magnetizes charismatically mm. synchronicity of, of opportunities. People, places, things, ideas, and events start to synchronize to help you build momentum, to make you an unstoppable legacy building achiever. That's incredible. Let, can I ask on that though? So when, I, when I've done that in my life and I've prioritized what is the most important thing to me, my answer is always comes back to my children, my two kids who I worship, the ground they walk on. And then I'm always thinking about them and, everything, and my wife, but my kids always seem to take priority in my world. So it's what can I do to give back? But then I think about my business so I can create the life that I feel that they should deserve. How do I balance that between my children, but actually 
the business to give my children what I want to give them. Well, any two, anytime two values are linked in the value things and you're closer together, they enhance each other. Anytime they're far away from each other, dislinked, right. they hinder each other. So you ask a very simple question because the quality of our lives based on the quality of the questions we ask. How specifically is spending time on my children helping me grow my business? Right. And how is spending time on my business helping me enrich my children? Right. And you make those such strong links. You answer that 50 to 100 times. You don't just yeah. answer it once or twice. Yes. You make it where all of a sudden you don't see those separate. Yeah. Every time you're actually doing business, you're actually in thinking also of your children. And you're also, every time you're with your children, your business is manifesting. And as long as those are integrated, not separated, amazing things happen to enhance both of them at the same time. Their governor of Querétaro, Mexico, I was having breakfast with, uh, kind of speaking down there for prisons and, and uh, young women to help them not become part of the cartel problem. Yeah. And um, he has a 19-year-old daughter and a wife, and they, their highest value is the people of Mexico, mm. unquestionably. Their second highest value is creating jobs. They have created hundreds of companies, hundreds, mm. and helping people build companies mm. because they know that if they employ people, <clears throat> they have less of the cartel problem, yes. <clears throat> they have less poverty, yes. less unemployment, less crime, etc. So their primary mission is to enhance the individuals of that country. At the same time, it's a family-oriented thing. So they've linked those together Mexico as politics, job opportunities, and family. And they're inseparable. And the 19-year-old daughter's already got multiple companies, yeah, employing yeah. thousands of people. So it's, it's, they, they've integrated their values to such a degree, they've supertasked. There's multitasking where you scatter yourself. Yeah. And there's supertasking where you've integrated yourself. That's and you've focused, it's like uh, juggling seven balls. Yes. If you look at any one ball, you're gonna drop it. But if you look at the center, you can juggle seven balls. Yes. So it's finding the center, the common theme that integrates all of the highest priority actions so they can be integrated and empowered by one focus. That's so clever because I have been looking at everything separately, but you're absolutely right. It's finding that commonality. I love that. You, I know you were many years ago, you were one of the 33 experts on The Secret, which for those of my guests who haven't watched, must go on Netflix, watch the... And, and I know the sequel now is just coming out. You mentioned to me earlier the how thoughts become things. What, what was your biggest learnings from being involved in the secret, that, that your biggest takeaways that's helped shape your life? Well, I was speaking, I've been speaking since I was 18. <clears throat> and I'm 66 almost now. So, <clears throat> yeah. But I, um, I was grateful for the opportunity to be in the movie, unquestionably. I think that it was a little lighter than I would love to have, you know, yeah. Jared. A lot of us were doing the secret, uh, behind the secret, left out of the secret kind of thing. Yeah. But but um, I'm grateful for that because it, it did open up some doors. I I um, I speak around 300, give or take 350 times a year. Mm. And that year it surged a little higher, 400 something. So I keep a busy schedule, and it helped that. But I met a lot of the people in it. Some of them are fantastic people. Uh, and, you know, they're dedicated individuals to try to help people in, in the transformational leadership area. And uh, also, I got to see the, the power of what people wanted. You know, I, I don't think anybody really grasped how much that was a 
yearning for people. They want to be able to take command of their life. But I've been in that industry for since 72. So I've, I've watched the, the, the surge of it. And I'm grateful for the opportunity. I've met some great people. I had a lot of great opportunities speaking, um, quite a few interviews out of it, and um, clarifications. But, but I think that everybody had a little different slant that they'd like to add on top. Because yeah. that's, that's the creation and summary of hundreds of hours of editing yes. to get yeah. it down into her version, which really met the marketplace. Yeah. I don't think if, I think if, if I would have just gone out and done my own version of it, it wouldn't have done as well because it yeah. would have been deeper. Yeah. This was just the right level for people to go, yeah, that's, they're thirsty for it. Yes. Well, what, from, a, from a sales perspective, because you, obviously you talk on human <clears throat> behavior, but, but if we look at sales, that, that really is all about um, helping people buy from you, how to gravitate the right people into your world so that they buy your product or service. What from all the people you've you've worked with, and as you said, you've spoken now in over 150 countries. What what would you say is the the, the characteristic needed to be a world class performer from a sales perspective? Well, my my personal feeling is it's not necessarily any gimmick. It's simply you sincerely, deeply being called to deliver some product service or idea to somebody and you being inspired to do it. Mm. You know, I, I, I can't claim myself to be the greatest salesperson on the planet by any means. That's not my, I don't even focus on it. Yeah. What I do is I, I try to in, have the most in-depth, broadest, comprehensive, summarized information on human behavior that is out there. Yeah. I was blessed to win the, number one human behavioral specialist in the world recently. Just was in Times Square on a 15-story wow. marquee about it. Congratulations. That's incredible. Yeah, I was very inspired by this. Very grateful for that. But <clears throat> I, I, I just do what I feel my mission is. Yeah. And I find that if people, you can hype them up, but that's, that's not going to last. You have to have a sincere dedication to serving individuals. When they know that you care about them, and that you want to serve them and you want to give them a result. And, and that sincerely comes across. And that is such a yearning to do yeah. that yeah. I always say when the why is big enough, the house take care of themselves. You figure out how to articulate things spontaneously yes. without yes. scripts, yes. just spontaneously because you care. Yeah. And they can sense that sincerity that you want to make a difference and want to contribute to their dynamic. So for my case, you know, I've, I've been blessed to do, 9,000 interviews possibly, I don't know, and, and a lot of speaking. And I think that the, when I go up there, I'm delivering something that I know is, is solid. Yes. There's, no, there's no fluffy stuff there, it's solid. Yes. And as a result of that, people, my dad said, if you give people more than they expect, you never have to worry about business. Yeah, that's brilliant advice. That's and I, I, think that, I think that's the key. Many people want to quickly just follow somebody and duplicate something and do a script and everything else. Yeah. But they're, they're behind the scene, even if you sell them, you won't sustain it if you don't have the substance. Yeah. So I'm a firm believer in get the substance. It's nothing harmful learning some scripts and all that stuff. But I I'm sincerely want to deliver the product, service, or idea that means something to me. And I don't want to sell something that I don't, in my heart, yes. absolutely want to give. Yeah. I, get I don't waste my time on something that's not. I will turn down programs if they want me to speak on something that I'm not inspired by. Yeah, I, I get that. 
I get that. And I think, you know, I've always learned in the world of sales that they say this from NLP, they say, if you see the world through John Smith's eyes, you're more likely to get John Smith to buy from you, right? Uh, it's all about, are we looking through a customer's perspective? As a human behavior expert and, and the world's best, what's some of the best advice you can give my listeners to really understand how, how people make decisions and, and how we can persuade and influence certain outcomes? Well, I don't want to persuade them. I don't want to rhetorically persuade people. That's not my, my thing. You know, you can extrinsically stack up persuasive stuff on somebody to get them to buy. That's not my thing. I want to find what they're intrinsically called to do, mm. what their real highest value is, and articulate it in a way where they can perceive that that's going to help them fulfill what's most deeply meaningful to them. Mm. Because anybody, you know, it's like in a court of law, anybody can get up there and do rhetorical persuasion and, and stack up a bunch of associations and convince somebody of something temporarily and make them have buyer's remorse. Mm. I'm interested in finding out what is, I don't want to be a motivator. I'm not a motivator. Mm. Motivation is a symptom, never a solution for humanity. Mm. I'm not interested in rhetorical persuasion. I'm interested in helping them access the greatest resource they have, the most intrinsic value they have that inspires them spontaneously and then reveal the product, service, or idea in a way that can help them empower that inspired state. So yes. they don't require outside motivation in their life yes. and outside yes. things in their life to get them to take action. There's yes. a difference. Yes. So I'm not the best rhetorical persuader. What I am is finding out See, every decision an individual makes is based on what they believe will give them the greatest advantage or disadvantage at the moment based on their perceptions of information. Yes. But you can stack up, you can, you can sell anything to anybody if you want to persuade somebody, but that's not necessarily going to give them the thing that's truly most meaningful. And you can get a conflict of interest if you are great at that. You want to care enough about them because the only thing that creates sustainable long-term relationships is equity. Yeah. Equity theory is an intuitively known intrinsic thermostat within us to guide us to sustainable relationships. So let's say you are narcissistically self-righteously thinking you know better than the customer and you talk down to them yeah. and then you find out what their needs are and you stack up things and you sell it to them. Yeah. But they're not going to buy from you in the future if it doesn't yeah. really give them the result. Yes. So that doesn't mean that that's not a sustainable model. What's sustainable is actually finding out what they truly are inspired to fulfill, what their life spontaneously is dedicated to doing. I have 13 criteria that's on my website that's complimentary called a value determination process that helps you determine what they are spontaneously inspired to do in their life. And I'm going to ask on that. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt there. I've, I've got a client right now that I will use the word is lost. He, I, I can see a, a spark in him that he's 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 destined for incredible things but he's admitted he's a bit lost he doesn't know what what he's his purpose is what's your best advice of how to get that out of him so i can best support well, him or facilitate your purpose as aristotle said he called the purpose the telos the telos is the end in mind it is the highest value in a list of values that is the most intrinsic inside an individual Mm. Our identity revolves around it. Our epistemological knowledge around it. Our ontological being revolves around it. It is the thing that we feel called to do. 
that telos gave rise to teleology, which is the study of meaning and purpose. It's yeah. the most meaningful. It's the most purposeful. It's the most inspiring. It's the most fulfilling thing we can do is find that highest value. Yes. Mind's yes. teaching. Yes. You know, whatever that is, once you access that and start prioritizing and structuring your life and delegating lower priority things and getting on with that and packaging it in a way that it, it fulfills other highest values and intrinsic values of others, you found your niche. Yeah. And accessing that, all you got to do is look at how you fill your space. Because you, 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 you don't keep things around you that's not important to you. You keep things around you that's important to you. Yes. How do you spend your time? You find time, make time, spend time, things that are really important to you. What energizes you? You have more energy at the end of the day when you're doing things that are really high on your value. Yeah. Where's your money going? Because you find money, spend money, make money for things that are really valuable to you. Where are you most organized? Where are you most disciplined? What do you think about, visualize, internally dialogue to yourself about most that is coming true, that shows evidence of coming true? What do you converse with other people about most? What are you inspired by most? And what's common to the people who inspire you most? What are the things that are most consistently and persistently goal-oriented that actually are coming true? And what do you can't wait to get up and learn? Yeah. If you find out the intrinsic things that, not whims, but the intrinsic things you spontaneously do and look at what your life is demonstrating because your life demonstrates your values. I have asked people all the time, how many want to be financially independent? They all put their hands up. Your yeah. life doesn't demonstrate it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care about what people say. I'm interested in what their life demonstrates. Yes. But that's the structure and that's the thing that you can do. If you understand what that is and care enough about to fulfill that directly or indirectly with product, service, or ideas, you have sustainable sales. That's incredible because what I find, I've worked with over 35,000 salespeople and there is such a big disconnect between what they tell me their drive, motivation, and goal is but their lack of action to achieve that. What, why do you believe there's always that, you know, it's like someone saying, I want to be super fit. I want to be, I have the most ripped body, but then they're not prepared to do the steps to do it. Why does that keep happening? Because people compare themselves to others in, instead of comparing their daily actions to their own highest values. The second you put people on pedestals, you'll inject their values into your life. You'll create this superego injunction from them about how I should be, ought to be, supposed to be, got to be, have to be, not need to be, yeah. one of you, instead of actually looking at what you intrinsically are doing Yes. and not wasting your time. Anytime you set a goal that's not really highest on your value, you self-depreciate. Right. And you create an incongruency. Yes. And then those, and those are not weaknesses. Those are symptoms to give you feedback that you're yes. pursuing somebody else. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, envy is ignorance and imitation is suicide. We're not here to live in the shadows of anyone. We're here to stand on the shoulders of giants. Yes. And we're not here. If we're a cat, we're expecting to swim like a fish. We're going to beat ourselves up. Yes. We got to look at what we really intrinsically are called to do. Yeah. And I, I have people every week saying, well, I don't know what I want to do. Yes, you do. Look at your life. Yeah. Your life reveals what you value. Every decision you make is based on it, but you are comparing yourself to others. You're fantasizing about who you're supposed to be. You're comparing it there. You're beating yourself up. You're clouding the clarity of your own calling and purpose in life. But if you find out what you value most, which is why I, I have that on the website to help people with that, if you do that and you prioritize your life and give yourself permission to be you, the magnificence of who you are is far greater than any fantasies you'll ever impose on yourself. It's amazing. So you, I know your whole purpose and your mission is to teach, to learn and to teach. How do you come to that conclusion that that was your number one priority? The one that you, when you, 
with the thing that you can't wait to do that you spontaneously do that nobody has to remind you to do is the path. Yeah. But what happens is people are afraid to admit what it is. Yeah. Because they're comparing themselves to other people. Yeah. They think they've got mothers and fathers and preachers and teachers and peer groups and conventions and traditions and mores and collective heroisms outside, as Becker said, that are subordinating, they're subordinating to instead of looking within. Yes. And I'd rather have the whole world against me than my own soul. And the old soul is calling you to do something that's unique to you. Mine happens to be teaching. That's so powerful. Each individual is something different. And I had a lady in London. I was speaking in London, doing the Breakthrough Experience, which is my signature program. I've done 1,105 times now. And this lady says, I don't know what I want to do. And I said, bull. Yeah. I said, what does your life demonstrate? She says, well, what do you do every day? Let's look at your day. Let's take your sleep out. <clears throat> How do you spend your time? I'm with my kids. Okay. Uh, where is it, where's the thing that energizes you? Well, taking care of the kids. Where's all your money go? To my kids. Where are you most disciplined? I'm always there making care of my kids. But see what she was doing? She was comparing herself to this other woman yes. that had two kids that had nannies to take care of the kids and she was a businesswoman and she was thinking, I should be a businesswoman because she's respectful. And so she was basically judging herself for what she wanted to do. And as I went through the value determinants with her, it was very obvious she wanted to raise a beautiful family. Yeah. And I said, well, your life is demonstrating that you want to be a mother. But you're comparing yourself to others and not honoring that. Yes. But remember, Rose Kennedy, her mission statement was that I dedicate my life to raising a family of world leaders. Yeah. So she gave herself permission to be a great mother and yeah. raised a great family. Yeah. So when this lady heard that, she started bawling and crying. Wow. And all of a sudden she said, well, that's all I've ever wanted to do. I said, well, then quit comparing yourself to other people. Yeah. Compare your daily actions to your own dreams that's and live right. by your own dreams and prioritize accordingly. And she cried and she bawled. She said, that's all I've wanted to do. I said, well, then go out and raise a friggin' amazing family and quit yeah. comparing yourself to others and quit going after it. And if there's a change in your values, it will reveal itself. But right now you're a mother. And yeah. she was inspired by that. And there were people crying all over the room because they were all going, oh my God, I've been comparing myself to other people yeah. instead of looking within. It's giving me goosebumps thinking about it. It's incredible. Can I ask what's some of the best advice that you've personally ever been given from some of the, the experts that you surround yourself with that shaped your life or, or had the most profound effects on you? Well, I think it's, it's thousands because I've been reading so much. You know, it's, it's, there's thousands of inputs I don't know if there's one or just a few, there's thousands. But I don't know of anything more significant than the authentic you. Yeah. Don't waste your time on anything else. Yeah. Why be second at somebody else when you can be number one at being you? No, that's so I, I got asked by Vogue magazine. They did a 17-question Vogue interview one time. And they said, Dr. DiMartini, the very last question, and they're a little lighter than I'm used to getting, but they said, well, if there's anybody in the world you could be, who would you want to be? And I looked at them like, the, what on earth is a question like that being asked? Mm. Why would I want to be any human being other than me? Mm. And they were startled because they go, well, most people say I'd like to be this or like that. I said, why would you want to be anybody but yourselves? Mm. The magnificence of who you are is who you want to be. Yeah. And, and most people couldn't comprehend it because they're comparing. And anytime you put people on pedestals or pits, instead of putting people in your heart and have deflective awareness instead of reflective awareness, you disempower your life because so you're too humble or too proud to admit what you see in them inside you. 
and you play small. Yeah. So I'm not interested in comparing myself. I'm interested in getting out with my mission. Any gold medalist who's about to get in the water to swim or run knows they're not to look at the, the opponents on either side. They're looking at the goal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you have to look at what your mission is and what is most inspiring to you, what you want to dedicate to if you want to be a leader in that. And, and I, I absolutely agree with everything you said. However, I know some people, some of these listeners will have these limiting beliefs. Things I remember when I first saw Tony Robbins seven years ago, I was 35 pages into my first book and I kept saying to myself, I've got a grade C in English, GCSE. I'm not good enough to write a book. And I've now written five. I'm on my sixth book because I understood that it was what I was saying to myself, stopping me. What's, you know, how do people overcome these, these negative things that they say to themselves that stop them having this superpower? Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to shatter Tony's ideas here. I'm going to shatter all that because I think it's antiquated personally. Okay. Time to shatter that, that thing. Your limited beliefs are absolutely essential in your physiology. And here's why. Because they're letting you know you're pursuing something that's not authentic. Mm. They're feedbacks to all the people you're subordinating to, giving you how you're supposed to be. Mm. And that limited belief is simply an injected value from others that you're trying to compare yourself to. That's fascinating. So, so that, when you, let me give you an example here. If I went up to somebody and I said, you're always nice, you're never mean. You're always kind, you're never cruel. You're always positive, you're never negative. You're always peaceful, you're never wrathful. You're always generous, never stingy. You're always giving, never taking. Always considered, never considered. Would you believe me? They go, no. Because they wouldn't believe always. Yeah. And if I said, if you're always mean and never nice, always cruel, never kind, always taking, never giving, always stingy, never generous, always wrathful, never peaceful, always negative, never positive, always inconsiderate, never considered, would you believe me? They go, no. Yeah. I said, but sometimes you're nice, sometimes you're mean, sometimes you're kind, sometimes you're cruel, sometimes you're positive, sometimes you're negative, sometimes you're peaceful, sometimes you're worthful. Would you believe me now? They go, yes. Mm. So anytime you strive for a one-sided fantasy about who you are, because you somehow envy somebody else because you don't know who they really are. Yes. You only yes. know a facade. Yes. You're self-defeating. And the part of you that's self-defeating and that's negative, that's doubting, is designed to come up to associate with that fantasy to make sure you associate pain with that fantasy, to break that fantasy to get onto what's true. That's amazing. That's so amazing. What, what's happening is those limited beliefs are not your enemies. If they're properly interpreted, they're letting you know that you're pursuing something that's not truly inspiring to you. Yes. And you're trying to be somebody not because you're comparing yourself to somebody. Yes. When you quit comparing yourself to somebody about how you write, you just wrote. Yeah. And yeah. when you wrote, you wrote a book. Yeah. Because it, it doesn't matter what it is compared to the else. It's the expression of your own heart. Yeah. When somebody gets up and goes to Toastmasters and they're frightened of speaking, the only reason they're frightened of speaking is they're comparing themselves to the people yeah. out there in that audience they think are smarter than them or bigger than them or more successful. And that's why Toastmasters has you write or present the first thing on your own life because yeah. nobody knows more about your life than you. Yes. But the second you go out there and try to get out of your core competence and go off from what you know, you got anxiety. And the second you try to be somebody you're not in your goals, you're going to have anxiety, yeah. doubts, insecurities, because you're comparing. Yes. We're not here to compare. We're here to prioritize and live by what's truly meaningful according to what we really know in our life 
is demonstrating is valuable to us. Wow. Honestly, it's been so powerful listening to you and learning from you. I can't tell you how much, how much I've taken and how grateful I am for your time. Where is the best place for my listeners to reach out, learn some of your, your great stuff? Where's the best place for them to go? Well, they'd simply go to my website, drdmartini.com. And they can spend the rest of their life on there. There's enough information on there. There's thousands of YouTubes, thousands of articles. There's, there's, they can learn the rest of their life on there. And it's an educational experience. So just drdmartini.com or they can go on to my uh, Dr. Demartini podcast show or they could go to Facebook or whatever. They'll find me if they, if they look at my name. It's, it's, it's got a few uh, Yeah, links. you're pretty well known out there. So yeah. amazing. But I would say that because... You know, I personally believe that every human being deserves to be fulfilled. Mm. And if they prioritize their life and really give themselves permission to be and do and have the things they really, really, really are committed to. And give themselves permission to shine, not shrink. And give themselves permission to express what's deeply meaningful to them. Yeah, they might be ridiculed, maybe challenged. But if you're if, to be great is to be misunderstood, hmm. and if you want, if you're not being crucified, you're probably not on purpose. Because yeah. if you're really being unique and making a difference, you're going to stand out. Yeah, you're not going to fit in. Yeah, you don't make yeah. a difference fitting in. You make a difference standing out. And if you stand out, you're going to ruffle some feathers. You're going to challenge the paradigms. You're yeah. going to innovate yeah. new ideas. You you saw the interview on Elon Musk recently. Yes, They're interviewing yes. him about going to tomorrow to, to yes. go into space. Yes. And he said he got ridiculed. He got violently opposed. He got told he could never do it. There was no way they would go to, to launch privately. NASA takes billions of dollars, he said. But he did it, and he succeeded. And he was in tears because now the people that first ridiculed him for five years now are plotting. Yeah. And yeah. that's yeah. the way to go through life, knowing that, yes, people, to be great is to be misunderstood initially. Yeah. But then you end up so having a new paradigm. Amazing. I, I believe you deserve to create the, the unique paradigm that we have here. So give yourself permission to shine and do something extraordinary on planet Earth. That's the true you. That's who you are. Love it. Your passion's incredible. It's infectious. And thank you so much again, Dr. Martini, to come on my show. Cannot tell you what it means to me. And I can't wait to, to share this with, with, with my social profiles. Honestly, it's been amazing. So thank you once again. Stay safe, keep well, and, and keep, keep fulfilling your mission. Yes, thank you for the interview. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, thank you. Appreciate thank you. Your time. Thank you.